Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, January 23rd, 2019. I'm Shannon, and Stacy and Natalia are here with me today. We are going to talk about women's fiction. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. So women's fiction. This is, I feel like, a little bit of a controversial genre because a lot of people object to it being called women's fiction yes um i personally don't care but people do um i love it because the story is very firmly focused on the heroine and her making some kind of like self-discoveries and learning about herself and not necessarily needing another person to feel complete i love the focus on the heroine's like inner journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't always see that in other genres. So I think women's fiction is pretty special. So before we get into some recommendations, though, I want to do the usual housekeeping things because it would be not quite a complete episode without them. So you can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook group. We would love to have you there. If you want to get a hold of us for any reason, you can do that via Facebook or by sending an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And we do check that email address so someone will definitely get back to you. Um, I don't think there's anything else that people should know about. So I think Stacy can start us off with her first title. I will go next. And then Natalia, because Natalia really likes to be last. So we try to honor that request. <laughs> I love this genre so much. I, To me, what really draws me to it is, you know, there's so many types of relationships that are discussed um, in this genre. It's not just, the focus isn't just on the, the two main characters finding romance, which is the most satisfying thing to me. I love that I have to read books where there's a romantic element, but I like when there's other relationships, you know, between sisters, friends, family members, you know, found families, you know, families of origin, like all these different, I love all of the character development and the just the the transformations that a lot of our characters go through in this genre and it's one of my favorites and I really struggled with which books to talk about for this episode because there are so 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 many um that I just want to talk about I mean I'm not even like talking about you know Susan Wiggs or any of the Kristen Hanna books or Kristen Higgins I'm not I'm not doing that because there's other books that I'm going to talk about but you know, those are, there's so many amazing authors in the genre. Um, but tonight, the first book that I'm going to talk about is called How to Keep a Secret by Sarah Morgan. And I sort of have to preface by saying this is an author that I sort of um, avoided until recently, because I feel like in the past, she had some of those like having the tycoon's baby and the billionaire's virgin mistress bride and like, in, and things like that. And so I kind of 
avoided her um, because I'm snobby and I didn't like those titles. <laughs> and so, um, but then she wrote her um, New York series and I read a couple of the holiday ones and thought that they were quite good. And again, I'm a romance enthusiast, so it's going to sound snotty when I say this too, but I feel like um, her writing was um, too developed for the sort of um, formulaic genre that she was writing in. And so when I read How to Keep a Secret, it was sort of um, just a really, really beautiful book that kind of, I feel like kind of cemented, you know, who this woman um, should be as an author. Um, I, that probably sounds very condescending, but that's kind of how I feel about her. But anyway, so How to Keep a Secret is my favorite type of book. It's about three generations of women in a family who are trying to kind of come to terms with a lot of different secrets in their lives. There's the two sisters. Her names are Lauren and Jenna. And everybody feels that Lauren has this perfect life. She's married to this handsome, wealthy man. She's living in London, and she just has this picture-perfect life. Until she doesn't when her husband dies on his 40th birthday. Oh. And through a series of circumstances, Lauren and her teenage daughter, Mackenzie, who goes by Mac, end up um, back home in the States with, with their family. And so Lauren and her daughter are trying to kind of grapple with some things in their relationships and some secrets that Lauren kept Lauren and her husband kept from their daughter that have been discovered and that her daughter sort of blew apart in a kind of spectacularly public fashion. And so they're, they're back home, Martha's Vineyard, or is it Nantucket? Oh my gosh, how horrifying. I don't remember. But anyway, on a lovely island. Some New England place. <laughs> Some New England place. And they're back home. And um, so Lauren is very, very close to her sister, Jenna. And Jenna teaches first grade. And she has this beautiful, wonderful, just sweet, wonderful husband. And her dream is to have a baby. And as can so often happen in a relationship. Um, her desire to have a child has really put a strain on her relationship with her husband. And so, you know, during this book, she's kind of working through that with him. And then there's their mother, Nancy. And Nancy was a very distant, inaccessible mother um, when they were growing up and kept some secrets from her daughters, who in turn were keeping some secrets from her. And so this book is how all of these women um, from all these different generations come to terms with secrets that they were keeping and learn how to be a family. Um, and there's some romance and some beautiful character development. And I loved everything about this book. So if you want to read a really good book that kind of gives you all the feels and has a, some nice romance in it and some beautiful character development, I encourage you to check out how to keep a secret by Sarah Morgan. I kind of want to read this now. I wasn't yeah. really interested in Sarah Morgan before, like not those Harlequin kind of things that you're talking about, but also not her New York series. Like I just, I didn't find the synopses to be very compelling, but this, I, I could get behind this. Well, what made me decide to read it is I just read Moonlight Over Manhattan. Oh. Um, I think that's, maybe, it's one of her holiday ones, but it was about a twin. And that's where I thought, man, this writing is quite, beautiful and the way that she was able to you know depict this woman in this book was really really lovely and that's when I thought I'm going to try how to keep a secret that looks like my kind of book so if you've been hesitant in the past um, I encourage you to, to start 
with her book, How to Keep a Secret. It's really I good. I will pick it up. I just bought some new auto press thing. Because oh. that's a thing that I do. She brags about the arcs, about the audible credits. <laughs> Let's talk about an arc. Because <laughs> <laughs> arcs are great. So I don't know if people know, but I am um, a reviewer for a pretty big book blog. And so I get a lot of arcs and it's great. But I'm also not always very nice about this. Um, <laughs> and it's great. And I love it. And I tell my friends all about the great books so I get to read way ahead of it's them. True. Oh, sorry, I do that. True. I do She's that. She's actually straight up unkind about it. Not even it's not true. very yeah. nice, politically correct. She's unkind about <laughs> no? it. She's unkind. She makes us want to like break her window. It's too bad Stacey we all live called, too far. Stacy called me an asshole earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> I did. She makes me want to be a thief. I've never even stolen anything. <laughs> or so, I don't know. I get right. all these, these arcs, and I love them so much, usually. And I want everyone else to love them. So I'm going to break kind of an unwritten rule that says that you're not really supposed to like tease people about books they can't read, but that's a rule I break all the time. Always done that. I know. (laughs) So this is forget, you know, me by Jessica Strasser. And Jessica Strasser is one of those women who kind of straddles the line in her writing between like domestic suspense and women's fiction. Um, I think if you go into this expecting a really twisty domestic suspense novel, you will be very disappointed However, if you go into it really willing to embrace the growth of the characters and the relationships that they form, I think you will love this as much as I did. So the focus is on two friends named Molly and Liza. And Molly is married. She has two kids. And she and her family live like in a suburb just outside Cincinnati. She and Liza have been really good friends, like, for most of their lives. But Liza moved away to Chicago several years before the story opens, and that kind of put a strain on their friendship. Also, Molly deals with a lot of chronic pain. Um, She has some undiagnosed illnesses, and that has caused some difficulties in her, in her marriage, in her ability to mother her children, And also in her relationship with Liza. So these two friends decide that they need to reconnect. And so one night while Molly's husband is away on a business trip and her children are asleep, she and Liza decide that they're going to have a video chat. And they do this. And it's kind of awkward. It's not the same kind of like, you know, effortless conversation that they used to have. But they're they're powering through. And then Molly has to go upstairs to check on one of her children. And while she's gone, Liza sees something, something that's happening in her house, in in Molly's house. And I can't tell you what it is because that would be crappy. But it's it's something bad, like something that no one is, is supposed to know. And she's very alarmed by this. And she drives like through the night to get to Cincinnati to be at her friend's side But when she gets there, it's very clear that Molly doesn't want her there. So why not? And what exactly did she see? And those are things that, as I said, I won't tell you. But this is just a really, really fantastic study of the role that our friends and even our romantic partners play in our lives, but also 
it really touches on the things that you have to do to maintain those relationships and kind of the like unconscious distance that can grow between people. Even if you're not like striving for that, you know, even if you think that you're fine, like mm-hmm. someone else may, may not think that. And it's just, it's really, really lovely. I was not as wowed by like what it was that, that Liza saw, but I loved watching these people struggle to kind of overcome the, the stumbling blocks in their lives and in their relationships. There is um, a really nice romance that is woven into the story for Liza. There's a lot of like reconnection kind of second chances that are woven in and it is just fantastic. Um, everyone should pre-order it. It will be out on February 5th. So by the time people hear this episode, they won't have to wait very long to get it. But it again is Forget You Know Me by Jessica Strasser. Dying to know what she saw in Molly's house. Yes. Mm. Is this something cliche? What? Is this something cliche? Like, I don't know, mm. proof of some kind of betrayal? No, it's, it's just weird. Like, I, I don't know how to tell you, like, without actually telling you um <laughs> i expected it to be like bigger than it was um but then there are like some twists kind of thrown in that kind of explain like why it was done that way okay fine, fine. but again it's not like it is in no way kind of the the standout thing about this particular story cool so women's fiction, um, as Shannon said in the beginning, people object to it for some reason. Um, I don't object to it personally. I object to people's reactions to it because they see women and they won't read it. Yes. Um, kind of like romance mm-hmm. novels too. But, yes. Um, and, and it's men and women who do this. And actually, especially women <laughs> in my experience. So... You know, that's that's the only thing. But, you know, I love women's fiction, chick lit. I mean, I'm a chick. I'm a woman that makes me happy. And speaking of women and friends and all that stuff, the book I'm going to talk about first is one of my favorite books. I think a lot of these are. But when it came out, I remember I didn't stop reading it. I actually begged my mother to let me miss school so I could just read it. And... uh, (laughs) It's my mother would oh, those days were the best when you could just like stay in your bed and read like oh i'm really sick i promise i have to stay home <laughs> i mean she took me to school after 12 i think i had some kind of event so that would have felt but and you know but i definitely wasn't allowed to stay home all day because i wasn't sick i just wanted to read my book so i just snuck into the back of the classroom and i just kept reading kept reading it anyway yep, anyway exactly <laughs> i waited too long for this book and this book is called Heart of the Matter yes. by Emily Giffen. And it's already yes. out, you guys. You don't have to wait to read this. <laughs> you can read this now. <laughs> and one of the things that will really inspire everybody that really kind of got me about this, speaking of women's fiction, is even if you don't read audiobooks, you're going to like this. Uh, the narrator of this book is Cynthia Nixon, who is the actor that plays Miranda in Sex in the City. How cool is that? I don't oh, know. Wow. <laughs> I I recognized her voice from the movie. I'm like, wait, wait, I know this. This has to be her. And I looked it up, and yeah, it was her. So, heart of the matter, Emily Giffen. Emily Giffen always writes 
you know, women's fiction-esque books. But this, I think, yes. out of all her books, is probably... I really love the one she just released. I love the message. I do. But Yes, I, think, I love that as this well. This is my favorite, I think, of all of the books. And um, this is about Tessa and Nick. And they've been married for a while. They have two kids together. And... Uh, Eventually, I make the decision that Nick is going to work. You know, he's a doctor and Tessa is going to quit her job and be a stay at home mom. And the book starts with them celebrating their anniversary. I don't know if it's like 10 years or something pretty significant. Uh, but, you know, Nick is a doctor and he's a surgeon and there's an emergency. There's a fire and a kid, a six year old kid gets badly burnt and he needs to go, you know, drop. So he drops everything and he goes to the hospital and attends to this kid. And I'm not going to tell you anymore because I'm not going to spoil it. But what I really liked about this book is that it talks about, I like books about marriage. I always have. Now that I'm married, I like them even more. Um, And I I really liked the emphasis it put on, you know, being a stay-at-home mom and how, yes, it's wonderful to be a mother. but, But, you know, the sacrifice that it is, yes, but also kind of like the the way women when they have to stay home with their kids where like their self-worth goes um and and how they feel about you know their self-worth and also what what it does to a marriage too because when one person is going out every day and commuting and seeing people and another person is just you know um you know reading kids stories and uh, you know cleaning high chairs and stuff as wonderful as it is um if there isn't any communication it can you know um build resentment in a marriage and i think it's so cool how she handled that so well i don't know if that was when she had her twins because she did have twins and maybe it was like you know something that she could identify with but i think it was really really well done and and i read it when i had no experience on the subject and i still don't so i learned something so i think that's cool and and just you know all the characters are really dynamic we get to see a characters from other of her books which i always like and yeah, pick it up. It's Heart of the Matter by Emily Giffen. I love it so much. That was the first Emily Giffen that I read. What? Oh my god, that's yeah. amazing. And I've read a bunch of others, but I agree with you that yeah. this one is the best. It was it was so well done and so, you know, I unbiased, you know, because it does, as I said, it talks about women and how, you know, how our self-worth is built on, okay, do we have a career? Do we have babies? Okay, should we raise our babies? Should we have nannies raise our babies? Should we send them to daycare? Um, okay, now you don't have a career, so you're just a stay-at-home mom. So what did you do with your life? <laughs> oh, you had a career, but you're not you're not having kids. So what are you doing with your life? Um, you know, and it was such a, you know, oh, you're not paying attention to your husband. Why? Or you're not paying attention to your wife. It was so human, I think. It was very amazing. Very amazing. So I have to admit, I've never read an Emily. You should oh! read this one. Um, because for some reason, I I have it in my mind that her books have sad no, endings. No, they don't. No. And, Mm-mm. okay, so I don't know why I think that. So I won't, this sounds amazing, like something I can really relate to right now in my yeah. life. So I think um, I need to pick yes, it up. You know, her books it. have realistic endings, but they're not, I wouldn't say they're sad. I think the only ending I didn't like so much was Where We Belong, but. Oh, yeah. You know, Shannon would know why. <laughs> And um, also, the book that she came out with before this year, what was it called? First Comes Love, is it called? Yes. I don't like that book. That was my least favorite book of hers. So. Oh, I really enjoyed that one, actually. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was just my least favorite, you know? But mm-hmm. her endings 
you know, you're, you're not gonna heart of the matter, like broke my heart, but in a way that, that everybody's heart needs to like, I don't know. We all should read that book. It's just so I can't explain how it just gets you into the human mind in a, such an objective way where it's not about like people's decisions, but you see what causes it. And, and I don't know what a minefield it is when people like try to make a world together and, and different, you know, how every head is a, is a universe. You know what I mean? I'll have to try you should. it. You should. So the next book I'm going to talk about is a new to me author. Um, I've only read, this is the first book of hers that I've read. And I, it sort of straddles the line among a couple different genres, but I think it, it fits for this episode. And the book um, is one of those that I was up reading until like, oh, you know, the, the last time I checked my phone, it was like five in the morning. And I had to like force myself to stop reading and go to bed um, at five in the morning because I just, I could not put this book down. And it's called The Life Intended. And the author is Kristen Harmel or Harmel. I don't know how to say her last name, but I think it's Harmel. And this book came out a few years ago, but uh, so you don't have to wait for it till February 5th. It is available now. <laughs> and um, so what this book is about is um, 10 years ago, um, this, the, the woman, the heroine of this book, she, uh, her husband died tragically and unexpectedly. Um, they had gotten in a fight the night before, but luckily they'd had a chance to have um, a very um, inspired uh, makeup experience afterward. And then the next morning he told her, I, um, I have something I need to tell you tonight, but he never got a chance to tell her oh. what it was because he oh died. So yeah. And he was the love of her life. But 10 years later, she's finally moved on. She's engaged to this man, this other man. And right after her engagement, she starts having these really vivid dreams where she wakes up and she's in her old apartment with her husband. Time has passed and she is, there's like these scenes of her basically living the life that she should have lived with her oh, husband. Boy. And, you know, every time she wakes up, she knows he's dead in real life. She knows that this cannot be reality, but she just can't seem to stop you know, yearning for this life. And in this life, she has a teenage daughter and she's like, I don't even know how this happened. Like, how do I have a, you know, a, or sorry, she was like a 12 year old, you know, she has a young daughter, just sweet daughter and who happens to be deaf. And she's like, how is this happening? And in her real life, she sort of starts to question everything that she's doing. You know, is this really the right man for me? This, this man that I'm engaged to, am, am I with him because it's easier because I really do love him. And, you know, she starts kind of exploring some things. She, she decides she's going to learn sign language. And, you know, she's a music therapist. And through that sign language, she begins to, she meets people that help her kind of develop interests, like working with the foster care system. And basically, because of these dreams that she has, she's able to kind of put her life on a different track. And it was just a really, really beautiful story about a woman kind of rediscovering who she is without, you know, the, the cornerstone of her life, the, the, the person she thought that she would spend her entire life with and how to move on and how to kind of learn to be happy in a different type of life than the one that she thought was intended for her. And the story was really beautiful. So I encourage you to try The Life Intended by Kristen Hermel. 
I want to read that now. I do oh, too. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing. I I choked up a lot, and I'm not a sappy girl, but I really loved it. It was just just to think about like waking up in this, you know, all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, wait a minute, how is he here? He's been dead for, you know, this many years and how is this happening? And I don't know. It was just, it was a really lovely story. How about another really lovely story? Yeah. We like those. (laughs) So I'm going to try to talk about this book like a reasonable person and not like a (laughs) kind of disturbed, like fangirl kind of person. Oh, I love fangirl people. <laughs> so this is The Sunday Wife, and it is by Cassandra King. Oh it came gosh. out in 2005, and I didn't read it right away. It was like I was living on Long Island when I read it. So like 2010 or 2011, and I, I loved it so much. Um, a caveat, Cassandra King is the wife of the ever-so-phenomenal novelist Pat Conroy. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Her writing. I love him so much. I know. It made me sad that he died. Um, anyway, this is a very different book. You know, if you're looking for something that, that's like Conroy, this is not it at all. But it is amazing in its own right. Um, so this is the story of Dean. And Dean has been married to this preacher for 20 years. And she is the kind of, you know, quintessential Methodist minister's wife. But things about that don't feel right to her, like, inside. She just, she can't quite, like, come to terms with everything that being a preacher's wife entails. And they start, they go to a new, um, a new church, and Dean is trying to get to know the people um, that are in the church and try to make a life for herself. But it's, it's hard. Her husband is very charismatic, very ambitious. Um, and he has certain expectations for, for Dean that she can't quite agree with. She then becomes friends with this woman, woman named Augusta. And Augusta is this like, kind of free-spirited woman. And in a lot of ways, she's everything that Dean has always wished that she could be. Um, and they become really good friends in a really short amount of time. And Dean's husband really doesn't like this. Um, and this causes a lot of problems for them like in their marriage. And then something very, very bad happens. Um, very, very bad. And it forces Dean to make some very choices. A beauty. I know we, we talk a lot about books being beautiful. Um, and yet this one, like if I could come up with a better word, I, I would. I feel like I don't have. Poignant maybe? Maybe, but mm, I don't know. I, I don't have enough like articulation skills to um, make people understand like, everything that I love about this and why it is one of the very, very best books I've read. And I, I want everyone to, to read it and not care that, you know, it's almost 15 years old because it is truly, truly amazing and so worth your time. Um, for the sake of transparency, I've read some other novels by King um, after this came out, like after I noticed this. And I did not like them nearly as much. So this is kind of one of those, 
like standout novel that is just so amazing. But the others did make me feel a little bit let down. But this one is so, so great. So this again is The Sunday Wife and it is by Cassandra King. I think when we talk about like this genre and I think what makes this genre kind of special is it is about women finding their way through situations that are, you know, either tragic or poignant or horrifying to kind of go on a journey, a journey of self-discovery. I feel like so many of these books are about self-discovery and Mm -hmm. friendships and relationships. And so when you find one that has those elements to it that are just really well done, that's what kind of puts it at the, at the top of the class. So it sounds like yes. that's what this book did for you. Is it, that it right? Did. It yeah. did. And, and it's something, you know, everybody can relate to self-discovery. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just something everybody can relate to how to make your relationships better. Um, the dynamics of like family and, and friendship and all the things that get lost, you know, in the sea of the relationships are, you know, it, it's, I think it's just such a great genre. I do too. So the next book I'm going to talk about is by an author that we've mentioned many times, but we could never have a women's fiction episode without talking about Miss Kristen Higgins, who was probably my first real taste and understanding of what women's fiction was. And this book is called Too Good to Be True. It's probably one of my absolute favorites by her, if I really had to pick. And this book is about a woman named Grace. She's a history teacher. And of course, her favorite book is Gone with the Wind, which completely melts my heart. Yes, I love Gone with the Wind. And so she had a fiance and he calls off the wedding because he fell in love with her sister, her younger sister. Now, this is not as sleazy as it sounds, um, because, yes, I know it sounds sleazy, but her sister and her ex-fiance are dating with, you know, their approval, with her approval. I mean, her sister was, wasn't going to stop, wasn't going to, you know, ruin her sisterly bond for a man, which I thought was cool. And, you know, Grace is completely okay with it. She's not even in love with her ex-fiance. She wishes them the best, and she's very happy for them. But nobody seems to understand that because since this kind of thing is supposed to be sleazy, nobody can see why or how she could possibly be happy with the fact that, according to everybody else, her sister, you know, kind of stole her fiance. But she is. She's very happy with her animals and her and her job and her life. But her family keeps trying to set her up on dates and they keep trying to find her a love life. So she gets so sick of this that she invents a boyfriend and this boyfriend <laughs> is everything you could have ever wanted i mean he's kind to animals and people he rescues cats from trees he's you know romantic he's loving he's a dynamo in bed except he's not real <laughs> he's not real at all so what to do what to do when it's time to introduce him to her family well she's got a neighbor that moves in next door and his name is Callahan O'Shea and he's pretty hot except you know his past is a little bit shady but he's not he seems nice and he's good looking enough so she decides to pretend that he's her boyfriend and he goes along with it but you know it's only supposed to be pretend so why is it starting to feel like it's not pretend all of a sudden Ooh. <laughs> 
<laughs> so this is Too Good to Be True by Kristen Higgins. And I have to say, I love this book. I love the way that she writes family, not only the perfections of, of being part of a big family, but also the imperfections, which I think are the best parts of family, the dialogue, the characters. I love the grandma. And, you know, I, I love the mother's job. You'll just have to read it to see what the mother decides is her art because it's very funny. And I don't know, this book just made me laugh and made me cry and made me angry. Um, I know sometimes I wanted to yell at everybody, but I do remember that I was in college and next thing I looked, it was 7 a.m. and I was still reading the book. So please pick it up if you have a chance it's called too good to be true Kristen higgins you will not be disappointed what an awesome book i don't know i i feel like this book i mean it this was written back um when i think that i would have classified her novels more in the romance genre kind of but this one to me was everything like you said i mean the most beautiful parts of it were like the parts with her sisters and the like unique relationship she had with each one of them and how special they were and how she didn't let a man come between her and her beloved sister and, you know, her parents and, and just like all of the relationships in this book made it something above and beyond like your average novel. And was that your first, no, that wasn't your first read by her. No, my first was the next best thing. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I discovered the next author I'm going to talk about, Back in, oh gosh, like 15 years ago. And this book was kind of a revelation to me. Um, the first book I read by Emily Richards was called Prospect Street. And it was amazing. Uh, yes. And I loved it so much. And it was the, kind of one of my first experiences with like a dual timeline type novel. But tonight I'm going to talk about one of her more recent books. And it's called The Swallow's Nest. Mm. And mm-hmm. this story is very intense. And at parts it was very hard to read. It's about... Uh, um, a wife, her name is Lilia, and she blogs about um, like home decor basically and, and how to like make a beautiful home. And her husband, at the very beginning of the book, they're having a party to celebrate the fact that he has been in remission from cancer for a year. He's been cancer free. So, um, so she has all of their friends over and family, and they're celebrating her handsome husband who's returned to health. In the middle of the party, the doorbell rings and she goes to the door and there's this young woman standing on the steps holding like a four-month-old baby. And she shoves this baby into Lilia's arms and says, this is Graham's baby and um, I am done taking care of him. He's going to be Graham's responsibility now. And she just walks away. She says, this is Toby. This is this is now Graham's responsibility. It's not mine. And she leaves. So in the middle of this party to celebrate a celebration of life, all of a sudden there is this t- baby that's being passed over. And Lilia has to kind of, she's dropped into motherhood like that. But then she also has to kind of deal with the fact that her beloved husband, whom she adores, cheated on her at some point to have this child. Right. And completely broken by that. But yet very quickly, she falls deeply in love with his son, Toby. And then we see from the perspective of Marina, who's the, the, the birth mother who um, gave up Toby. And we learn about all the things in her past, 
that made her feel as though being a mother to Toby was not in his best interest. And I went into this book like wanting to dislike her. And I found that I could not, I had a lot of empathy and a lot of, I just really, Emily Richards made her a very sympathetic character in my opinion. I I very much appreciated her. But then it gets to a point. So, uh, you know, fast forward about a year ish and all of a sudden, you know, Lily has been this little boy's mother for about a year. And all of a sudden, um, Marina decides um, with the support of um, Lilia's husband's mother, so Lilia's mother-in-law, uh, that, course, that she is going to, um, she wants her child back. She wants full custody. Um, and and um, Lilia's mother-in-law views this as a way to atone for the type of mother that she was to Graham, who is Lilia's husband. And so this is just a beautiful book. Again, I say the word beautiful. I don't know what else to say. It's a, it's a story about three women who all um, want this child in their lives for different reasons to sort of complete them in different ways. And what happens when, you know, is it, you know, what's in the best interest of the child and what is in the best interest of each of these women. And it's just a really, really compelling story. And I really encourage you to check it out. It's called the swallow's nest by Emily Richards. And it is really amazing. I love it so much. I know you read it too. I oh, think yes. it's going to be my next read. Actually. Oh, oh my gosh. It should it's be. So it's good. so good. It'll make you cry though, Natalia, but you will love it. Yes. So, the Life Intended or this one? Where should I? Which one should I read first? I can't. I can't. I think it depends what you want. Like this yeah. one is like very intense, very child centric, um, um, lots of pain, but so oh. so good. Yeah, so good. And then I don't know. Do you yeah. think in my condition I should read something like that? <laughs> well, it won't harm you. I don't no, think. I, I would say I would say in either. You just have to decide which one you want to read because you you can't go wrong either way. It just depends, you know. Yeah, what I'm in the mood for. Yep. Yeah. Read the synopsis of both and decide from there. That's what I say. Yes. All right. All right. So my next pick is All Fall Down by Jennifer oh. Weiner. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> What a book. I know. I love a lot of things about Jennifer Weiner, um, except for maybe, like, who do you love? Um, oh, don't just stop. <laughs> who, who do I love? Not not that. But, oh, me neither. But I, don't I worry. love... I love lots of other things that Jennifer Weiner has written. And this one was just really, really special. Um, this is the story of Allison. And Allison is leading a, a pretty good life, you would think. You know, she's got a young daughter. Her husband is pretty successful. It just seems like she's got everything that she needs to lead a fantastic life. So she's at the pediatrician one day with her daughter and She's reading this magazine because, you know, what else do you do in the pediatrician's office when you're waiting? And she comes across a quiz that starts talking about addiction. And it causes her to question some of the choices that she has been making around prescription drugs. So is it really, you know, all that different from, say, having a glass of wine before bed? You know, is that really all that different from, like, popping some kind of pill, like a Percocet or a Vicodin? Um, you know, what, what's the difference and how can just taking this pill periodically when you've had a really rough time, like, how does that, how is that so bad? And yet, as the story goes on, we begin to see how it is so bad. 
because Allison is slowly sliding into addiction. And, you know, you see kind of the, the classic like signs of it that, you know, she's, she won't admit she has a problem. People are against her. You know, people just don't, they don't understand. And yet you as the reader, you know, you know that these are not good, solid choices that she's making. And yet this is what masks some of the problems that she's having. You know, she thinks that her husband isn't always the most attentive to her. Um, Her father has been recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so things are pretty bad for him. Her mother's not coping well. Her daughter has some behavior problems and things are just really hard for her, despite the fact that her life looks so perfect on the outside. And so what we see here is Allison struggling to come to terms with this addiction that she has and can she beat it? Does she have what it takes to find strength somewhere else aside from like within a bottle of pills? And this is a a truly remarkable story. Um, Parts of it, like there were certain things that I thought were like a little bit too kind of cutesy for my taste. Really? Yeah. Like the thing in the, the rehab place when they're like having a talent show, um, like, I was just like, okay. Mm, but they probably do that stuff, though. I don't know if they do or not. Um, but it was just, I don't know. Like, I, there was just parts of it that I, I was just a little too, like, saccharine for me. But overall, I do love this book. And I think it shows a lot of depth um, in Weiner's writing. And so I do very highly recommend it. This, again, is All Fall Down. And it is by Jennifer Weiner. It's one of those like raw, honest reads that mm-hmm. you just immerse yourself in, even though parts of it, you just sort of, you hurt for Allison so much at certain yes. points that you almost don't want to keep reading because you know where she's headed. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking about every book, but I love so many of these books tonight. There's so many good ones, but there are yeah, so many. This one, this one I would have to say is another standout in the genre for me. It really yes. It was very challenging to read, but so worth the bumpy ride. Yes. Natalia, do you have something that I love a lot next? Um, I think the next couple books I'm going to talk about you love a lot. Really? Yeah. But there's one in particular. I don't know. I was thinking to save that for a lot. Oh, okay. Very well. I think I should. Sure. I still haven't decided. Well, you better <laughs> decide. <'cause... laughs> no, I'm kidding. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the next book I'm going to talk about is another book. Well, you know, if it wasn't my favorite, it wouldn't be a standout in women's fiction for me, right? Um, and it just made me laugh so much because it was such a book outside of what we are used to seeing from this author. And it's called And One Last Thing. Yay! <laughs> by Molly Harper. I do not love this. Oh, you just just close your mouth. You haven't read it. <laughs> no. Well, she said the last, the next couple books were things I love, but oh I well, I thought you this. had read this. No. I thought you had. No, I'm very sorry. That That's okay. I'm sorry for Shannon. She hasn't read the book. <laughs> it's all right. You and I can rhapsodize over it. Yes, Natalia. So this book, you know, we're used to urban fantasy from Molly Harper, and I love urban fantasy, but. I remember I waited so long for this book to come out. I think it was probably like one of my first ever Audible purchases. And oh my gosh, when it came out, I remember it was a Sunday and I didn't want to go. 
anywhere when I finally got it. And I didn't have any homework, so I was like, yes, this is the time. And I spent the entire day reading. (laughs) So, this book is about Lacey Terwilliger, and she's married to Mike Terwilliger. And so, this is about her and her self-discovery, but I will tell you because it's not a spoiler. It's in the synopsis. She finds out that her husband is cheating on her with the receptionist because she catches them in Technicolor. And, you know, I gotta say, I love her reaction. I feel like I don't think that I would have reacted so coolly. Maybe maybe that's petty of me, but I thought it was really cool. It's not petty. Okay, well. It's fabulous. It's fabulous, (laughs) yes. The way she gets revenge on him is just awesome. So, you know, she's humiliated. She's drunk, and guess what? You know, she's his wife slash secretary, so she does all his, you know, important paperwork, including his newsletter for his company. Dear. And what does she do? She writes an ingenious newsletter that includes everything, including her technical description of her catching her husband, Benny, this receptionist. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, her- that was Shannon and laughing. I'd like to point that out. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my God. But it was just fabulous. The way that she wrote. I'm, I'm just telling you, like, I do not have this ingeniousness in, in me. Um, and I don't think she was drunk <laughs> when she wrote this newsletter. So she sends it out and everybody gets this newsletter. I mean, his family, his friends, his parents. The pastor. Um, co-workers, <laughs> the preacher. I mean, everybody. And of course, Stacy and I were like celebrating. And I know that when I read the newsletter, I had to pause because I was just laughing and crying at the same time. <laughs> I think birth. I had to read it twice. <laughs> yes, yes, I did too. And, and um, you know, but instead of everybody feeling happy, they take it out on her. Because, of course, they always take it out on the woman, right? Um, and because, you know, he's a pillar of the community, he's this, you know, great guy, and how could you do this to him, and how could you, whatever, whatever, so she has to deal with it blowing up in her face, um, you know, she's becoming the pariah of her town, because, oh my god, how could she do that to him, she should have had more class than that, (laughs) everyone knows men cheat, and, you know, so now she's a pariah of this small town and, and, you know, nobody's really talking to her. So she has to figure out who her real friends are and what she wants. You know, if she wants to stay here, does she want to leave? Um, does she want, does she even want to keep her marriage or not? Does he want to save it? Um, and if not, then, then where is she going to go? And, and who is Lacey Terwilliger anyway? Is she even Terwilliger? Because she also realizes that, you know, being married to this man and handling all his stuff, she's kind of lost herself along the way. Um, and you know, now her perfect life is, you know, up in the receptionist or <laughs> in flames. So, <laughs> so this is, and one last thing by Molly Harper. It is completely different from everything she's ever done. So if you are like Shannon and you hesitate to pick up Molly Harper, please do it. It's, it's just not the same at all. And, um, it is so full of her typical hilarity and humor, but it's also a little deeper than, you know, a little less fluffy than what we're used to seeing from her. Um, and, and I just really love how she figures out, Lacey figures out who she wants to be. And, um, it turns out that she learns that she doesn't take crap from anybody. And that's great. I think it is. Yep. It turns out, yeah, it turns out she's pretty kick-ass under all of her, like, 
country club persona that she's tried to develop, right? It's a great book. I love it. The last book I'm going to talk about tonight is another new to me author that I had, I just, I never really heard about until recently. Her name is Kathy Lamb and the Hmm. book is No Place I'd Rather Be. Wow. And this book focuses on a woman named Olivia and Olivia has been living in Portland and she's coming home after two years to her small Montana town with two young daughters in tow. Well, they're, she's hoping to adopt them. And that's all we know. She goes home to the bosom of her family to kind of give these two little girls some stability, but she drives home in a blizzard and nearly goes off the road over a cliff. And uh, the man who rescues her turns out to be her husband. So what? Yeah, right. Right? Yep. And so this book is all about her. And um, there's lots of something very painful happened to her. And it's the reason why she left. She went to Portland and she's a chef. And she kind of developed this family of a found family in Oregon, including these two little girls. And now she's in the process of trying to adopt them. And so she's back home with her classy, beautiful, warm-hearted grandmother and her really take-no-shit mother who's a doctor and her sister who is like this just a sassafras of a woman, very confident. And so very a family of very strong women. And she discovers an, a very old recipe book up in the attic um, in her grandmother's log cabin. And this recipe book is written in Um, several languages. It's written in Yiddish. It's written in German. It's written in um, Ukrainian and a little bit in English. And there's all these different stains. There's some pages that look burned. It looks like there's some blood stains, some other weird stains. And there's some different um, like ribbons and flowers and and things pressed between these pages. And it is awesome. And she takes it to her grandmother and it turns out this recipe book tells the story of her grandmother's family for several generations back. And we learn what made her grandmother hide this recipe book and a few other mementos up in a box in the corner of the attic where no one has seen it since 1945. And so this book is mainly told from Olivia's point of view with some brief glimpses into the, the, um, some of the uh, female ancestors in her grandmother's family and her family. And it's a story about second chances and found family and, you know, um, just love and hope and history and healing. And it's just everything beautiful with food, you know, beautiful different dishes and lots of wine and laughter and tears. And it's an amazing book. And it's um, one of the most wonderful things I've ever read. So if you want something that sort of is like, what to me is like the definition of women's fiction. Try No Place I'd Rather Be by Kathy Lamb. Please, please. It's amazing. Okay. And what I said did not do it justice, but whatever. <laughs> I feel like sometimes the descriptions of books, like they, they just sort of fall short of the, like, uh, the emotions that we have about them. I, I feel like yeah. I, I just can't. All right. I, I will not um, philosophize anymore. <laughs> so my last pick is 
another really standout novel for me. This is The Almost Sisters, and it is by Jocelyn Jackson. And it's not that I cannot say the name the name Jocelyn. It's actually J-O-S-H-I-L-Y-N. So it's Jocelyn Jackson. And she is incredible. There's only like one book of hers that I've read that I haven't absolutely adored. Um, she writes these fantastic novels about the South and the women who make the South their home. So in this particular novel, we meet Leah. And Leah has always really had a thing for superheroes. She's a graphic <laughs> novelist. And so, you know, superheroes are, are a big deal for her. So she goes to a convention and she has kind of a one night stand with this guy who is dressed up as Batman. Oh, um, wow. I don't necessarily want to have sex with Batman, but that's fine. Um, I don't know. Yeah. A cape could be kind of hot. Mask, cape, you know? Can... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so she and, and Batman, like they, they do this. <laughs> and then they, they separate and Leah goes back and is living her normal life. But then she finds out that she's pregnant. And this is kind of a problem because not only is she, is she pregnant, but she doesn't really know much about this guy who got her pregnant, except, you know, that he really loves Batman. And so what is she going to do about this? <laughs> but before she can really figure out what she's going to do and how she's going to tell her very conservative Southern family about all of this, her stepsister begins to have some pretty serious marriage problems and Leah decides that the only way she can think of to help out is to help her sister care for her sister's teenage daughter. But then, because all of this certainly isn't enough for one person to deal with, oh no, Leah is going where I think. <laughs> Leah realizes that her grandmother, who she really, really loves, um, who is ninety years old, is beginning to have some pretty serious dementia. So Leah takes her niece and they return to the town where Leah spent so much of her childhood. And this is just a lovely story that talks about privilege and the power of the stories that have been passed down throughout the generations and the things that we tell ourselves about our families and our origins. Um, I love the fact that Jackson does not push like a happily ever after here because like it wouldn't be terribly realistic given the like the way all of this is going. Um, I love that she kind of hints at what could happen for Leah and Batman <laughs> um, without necessarily kind of like, you know, crossing that line into like implausibility. Um, but this is such a remarkable book. Um, Jackson is just everything I love in a book like this. Her, her writing is so very lyrical. And if you are an audio listener, please pick this up in audio because she reads her own books so, wow. so beautifully. Um, some people just really can't. Some people like make me cringe when they read their own work. But Jocelyn Jackson is amazing, not only as a writer, but as a reader. So I highly recommend pretty much anything that she's written, but especially the Almost Sisters. And I have to just quickly say that as someone who needs the happy ending, the way that she ended this book was very satisfying to me. And it did not cross the line into like Romance Landia, but yet 
it just left me feeling so much joy in my heart. Cause I, I don't know. It was just such a beautiful, wonderful, amazing, fabulous story. I agree with you, Shannon. But, but, but I like my happily ever after. Well, so do we all, but not you. It's you me. Like the sadder the ending, the better. Sorry, well, it's though. true, but I, I sometimes am in the mood for like a nice, you know, snuggly. Well, romance. I don't, I don't like sad endings, and this one was satisfying to me. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, it was probably realistic, you know, happily after ever after in a situation like that might not be completely realistic, you know. No. All right, now you have something that I really love. Now you yes. do, and I'm I so excited. About the book that Shannon's been waiting for that I had to fight her for. Actually, no, she didn't no. put much of a fight. I'm surprised. No, I said you could have it. I'm nice yes. like that. Yes. This book, let me tell you, I waited forever to read this book, and I don't know why I waited to read this book. You should not wait. No, no. If you haven't read it already, like, there's a problem, and you need to hurry up and do it right now. It's not a problem if your name is Stacy. I'm just saying that. Yes, it is. Um, it's a problem yes. no matter what your name is. This book is thebomb.com. So this is <laughs> Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty. Oh, Yay. my God. This book follows, you know, three women, and they're each at a crossroads of their life. Um, there's Madeline. You know, she's in her second marriage, and it's very happy, and um, she has a five-year-old daughter. But it turns out that her ex-husband uh, has his own new wife and a kid of his own that is in the same kindergarten class as her daughter. Oh, <laughs> Why? you know why why is this even happening to her and on top of that her teenage daughter seems to be wanting to spend more time with her dad her ex-husband like why is this happening to her then you know so there's celeste and she's beautiful like you know incredibly beautiful she makes people you know stop and stare at her um and but she seems a little bit flustered you know like she's kind of mysterious you know but who wouldn't be flustered with twin boys can you imagine twin boys Five-year-old twin boys? Five-year-old <laughs> the twin less. boys, yes. And now they're starting school. And, you know, it seems like her and her husband are going to have, you know, more time for themselves. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Then there's Jane, and she's a single mom. And I have to say, I love her son's name. It's Ziggy. I don't know why, but I think it's cute. I used to tell Christine that I wanted to change Mendel, who is Christine's dog, that I wanted to change his name, and that I thought, after reading this book, that we should call him Ziggy. Yes. She would not let me do it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see see her letting you, but Ziggy is just the cutest name. And he's also a really cute character. He is. He's very good. I like Ziggy a lot. So, you know, Jane is a single mom, and she's just incredibly young. She's so young that people think that she's the kid's nanny, not his mother. You know, because this is kind of like an affluent town where people kind of waited to get married and to have kids. And, you know, she's really sad, and she kind of has doubts about her son and about her life. But, you know, Madeline and Celeste, they're very nice, and they kind of take Jane under their wing. And but they have no idea that Jane, Jane, unbeknownst to her and all of them, is going to change everybody's life. So, you know, this is a book that is just about ex-husbands, ex-wives, new marriages, people getting along. You know, of course, you know, my kid is better than your kid. (laughs) And, you know, it's just 
so good. And nothing I can say will ever do it justice without spoiling it. But I never, ever saw it coming. No. Um, I have to say that. I never... And you, you don't usually with Leanne Moriarty, but I, th- I have to say that this is probably... You know, I'm a romantic, so my favorite will probably be what Alice forgot, just because I'm romantic. But if we take that out of the equation, this is probably the best book she has written. I haven't read Nine Perfect Strangers yet, but I don't think she has topped this book. No, I don't think she can. I don't think she can. It was just so good. And and it, it basically shows you what a small world and how coincidences can just pile up and how people, you know, we always get taught you know white lies you know my mom my mom yes was, no no lies lies a lie there's no such thing as white lies but it is prevalent in our culture as children that we get taught you know well it's a little white lie but it's great how white lies can just add up and add up and, and not only lies we tell people but lies we tell ourselves which are i think the worst kind yes so yeah this is big little lies by leanne moriarty if you haven't picked it up do it now and, you know, do it when you don't actually have to work the next day. Well, yeah. Or call in sick, whatever. Well, see, this will come out on Friday. So people can grab it, like, right when this comes out. And then sure. they can have the whole weekend with it. All right. So this is all for us this evening. This, this ran pretty long, but I hope that our love of the books that we've talked about today make it worth it um, for all of you who have listened Women's fiction is fantastic. You can tell we love it a lot. So I want to say thank you to Stacy and Natalia for talking with me about such great books today. It was a lot of fun. And thanks, as always, goes out to Christine, who does her fantastic editing magic for all of our episodes. And, of course, thank you to all of you who listen each week. If you would like to chat with us, you can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. And you can also send us an email at thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. If you want to give us any kind of feedback, you can certainly do that. We would love to hear from you. You can leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you use to access the show. We would definitely appreciate it. It not only tells us how we're doing, but it also kind of helps other listeners to find their way to the podcast. I hope all of you have a fantastic week. Um, It's a rainy, kind of blustery, slushy evening here in the Midwest. Um, Natalia could tell us how it is in Florida, but I don't want her to do that because it always makes me hostile. Um, 76 (laughs) degrees. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, all of you stay warm, stay dry, and of course, happy reading. Good night, everybody.